0: Hello and welcome back to this episode of the High Yield Podcast of Medicine. In this episode, we will discuss systemic sclerosis, also known as scleroderma. What is the pathologic triad of scleroderma? It's a triad of autoimmunity, collagen deposition and fibrosis in different organs, specifically skin, together with a vasculopathy. Why the vascular pathology in the course of scleroderma is referred to as vasculopathy but not vasculitis? Because the vascular lesions are non-inflammatory. Even though we say the precise pathogenesis is not fully understood, what is the major pathologic process in scleroderma? It's autoimmune vascular endothelial damage as well as Fibrosis due to excessive fibroblast activation mediated by transforming growth factor beta. This TGF beta is considered the major mediator. Remember, we have excessive deposition of types 1 and 3 collagen in the course of the disease. What's the basis of classification of systemic sclerosis? The extent of skin involvement and accompanying pattern of internal organ involvement. Or overlapping features with other rheumatoid diseases. Based on this, what are the major categories of systemic sclerosis? It's limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis, diffuse cutaneous systemic sclerosis and systemic sclerosis overlap syndrome. There's also this small subset of patients that have no detectable skin involvement. In other words, they don't have the scleroderma derma condition. So they are just referred to as systemic sclerosis, sine scleroderma. Sine is the Latin word for without. So they are systemic sclerosis without scleroderma. They have other findings such as pulmonary arterial hypertension, Raynaud's phenomenon, digital ulcer, but no thickening of the skin. What other rheumatologic disorders can be seen in the overlap type of systemic sclerosis? SLE, rheumatoid arthritis, polymyositis, Sjogren's syndrome, etc. Now, the bulk of our discussion will focus on diffuse cutaneous and limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis. Compare and contrast diffuse versus limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis based on the extent of skin involvement. Even though there are other features that can help distinguish limited versus diffuse scleroderma, and we will mention them in a bit, the pattern of skin involvement, which is the basis of classification, shows distal scleroderma, Or thickening of the skin in limited type and specifically distal to elbows and knees, while in diffuse subtype, both proximal and distal extremities can be involved. Is involvement of the face or neck a reliable measure to differentiate these two types? No, both types can involve face and neck. Okay, discussing the clinical features beginning with cutaneous manifestation. Can you describe what is the features of skin involvement in scleroderma. Edema that's followed by fibrosis of the skin, which manifests as skin thickening and hardening. This first appears at fingers, hands and face, and then can extend into the trunk. What are the other skin manifestations of systemic sclerosis? Telangiectasia, calcinosis and Raynaud's Phenomenon. What's the musculoskeletal manifestation? Arthralgia and or arthritis. Other than connective tissue, what organ system is most commonly affected? Nearly 90% of patients will have gastrointestinal involvement and this is followed by 70% of patients that have evidence of pulmonary involvement. What is the most commonly affected GI organ? Esophagus in the form of esophageal dysmotility. Uh, Any part of GI tract could be involved and be on alert on a patient who has GI symptoms such as dysphagia, choking, heartburn, hoarseness, cough after swallowing, bloating, obstructive symptoms, constipation and diarrhea. Now if you're asked why patients with scleroderma may have diarrhea, remember one main mechanism is bacterial overgrowth. And if you're asked what's the mechanism of bacterial overgrowth, remember that the patients with scleroderma will form large mouthed diverticuli of both small and large intestine. What are the two main patterns of pulmonary involvement? interstitial lung disease as well as pulmonary arterial hypertension. Important pathophysiology question regarding the pathogenesis of pulmonary arterial hypertension in diffuse scleroderma versus limited scleroderma. What is the difference? In diffuse cutaneous scleroderma, the main cause of pulmonary hypertension is interstitial lung disease and pulmonary fibrosis. However, in limited scleroderma, pulmonary vascular disease occurs in the absence of interstitial lung disease or pulmonary fibrosis and that vasculopathy directly results in pulmonary arterial hypertension. It's logical to think that way if you remember that the limited form does not have interstitial lung disease as the name limited indicates. Okay, so so far we have had two major distinguishing features between limited versus diffuse scleroderma. One is distal cutaneous involvement, and the other is underlying mechanism of pulmonary hypertension, independent of pulmonary fibrosis to be seen in limited cutaneous systemic sclerosis. Please pay attention to the fact that presence of esophageal dysmotility is not specific to CREST. Most of the findings of C-R-E-S-T could be seen also in the diffuse type of scleroderma. By the way, what does this CREST acronym stand for? It is one of the subtypes of limited scleroderma and it stands for calcinosis. Uh, You can also include anti-centromere antibody with letter C but then Raynaud's phenomenon is a facial dysmotility, sclerodactyly, and telangiectasia. Out of these, which one is more specific to limited sclerosis? That's telangiectasia. Remember, it's not common for diffuse type to have telangiectasia. Now, the next question is what are the differential diagnosis of telangiectasia, if you remember? Remember, we have it in cirrhosis. We could have it in crest, but less commonly in diffuse type of systemic sclerosis. We could have it in basal carcinoma of the skin. We could have it in hereditary hemorrhagic telangiectasia, the osler weber rondeau syndrome. We could have it in dermatomyositis, and we could have it in couple other conditions such as actinic lesions, pregnancy, and SLE. This is, even though I'm going to dedicate a separate series to differential diagnosis, I just wanted to go through some of the important uh, lists of differential diagnosis. Now let's move to the renal disease. What are the clinical features of renal involvement? We have hypertension as well as a condition referred to as a scleroderma renal crisis. What is a scleroderma renal crisis? It is a life-threatening renal complication of scleroderma mainly seen among those with diffuse subtype and is associated with poor prognosis. What's the pathogenesis of the scleroderma renal crisis? Renal vascular injury that's in part due to the collagen deposition and fibrosis causes renal ischemia with activation of renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. This raises blood pressure and worsens the renal vascular damage in a form of a vicious circle of worsening hypertension, and renal dysfunction. The clinical picture can include hypertensive emergency and organ dysfunction. What organ dysfunctions are possible in sclerodermal renal crisis? In addition to renal involvement, we may have encephalopathy and retinal hemorrhage and other complications of hypertensive emergencies. What lab findings could be seen in scleroderma renal crisis? While in milder forms of renal disease in the scleroderma, we have a mild elevation in plasma creatinine and or albuminuria. In scleroderma renal crisis, we have specific lab findings that includes thrombocytopenia, as well as features associated with microangiopathic hemolytic anemias. These also accompany oliguria. Now, do we expect severe changes in urine analysis of patients with scleroderma renal crisis? No. Remember, urine analysis can be normal or may just show mild proteinuria, similar to the mild renal involvement. We also don't expect any type of RBC or white bc casts. What patterns of cardiac abnormalities could be seen in systemic sclerosis? Pericarditis, cardiomyopathy, conduction abnormalities. Now, we mentioned in our episode on rheumatoid arthritis that the main cause of death in rheumatoid arthritis is coronary artery disease. What is the main cause of mortality in systemic sclerosis? That's pulmonary complications, mainly pulmonary arterial hypertension. What can be the pathogenesis of hypertension in patients with a scleroderma? It could be either secondary to pulmonary hypertension. You remember from pathophysiology that pulmonary hypertension can result in systemic hypertension. The second cause could be renal involvement, including scleroderma renal crisis or just renovascular hypertension, even without renal crisis. Now, in what demographics we see scleroderma most commonly, we see three times more among women and especially in their 20s to 40s. What's the diagnostic evaluation for systemic sclerosis? History and physical focuses on the clinical features we mentioned as well as hypertension for assessment of renal involvement or dyspnea exertion as well as fine crackles as indication of pulmonary arterial hypertension. Then we have Tests for assessment of organ function that includes CBC with differential, urine analysis, BUN and creatinine, as well as creatine kinase for assessment of possible myopathy. We also order inflammatory markers such as ESR and CRP. By the way, what do you expect to see for the values of ESR and CRP? ESR is usually normal given the fact that as we mentioned earlier on, It's a non-inflammatory vasculopathy that causes scleroderma. Finally, we have serologic confirmatory lab tests. What are the serologic markers of value in systemic sclerosis? Well, we initiate with antinuclear antibodies similar to all other connective tissue or rheumatologic disorders, and you know that ANA therefore is not considered a specific antibody however what pattern of antinuclear antibody can make it more specific for a subtype of systemic sclerosis anti centromere pattern of ana is strongly associated with limited scleroderma now what are the specific serologic markers for diffuse versus limited type of systemic sclerosis for the diffuse type SCL70 also known as anti-topoisomerase 1 is highly specific but non-sensitive as it is only present in 30% of patients with diffuse scleroderma another specific antibody is anti-RNA polymerase 3 while the most specific antibody for limited type systemic sclerosis is the anti-centromere antibodies It's not considered highly sensitive either as it is only present in up to 50% of patients with CREST or limited scleroderma. Two or false patients with CREST or limited scleroderma do not have SCL70. That's false. Up to 20% of patients with limited scleroderma and up to 30% of patients with diffuse scleroderma have SCL70. The anti-topoisomerase antibodies. True or false? Given the GI involvement is the most common organ involvement, all patients also require GI imaging studies. That is false. What imaging is mandatory in all patients with systemic sclerosis? All patients need chest x-ray, pulmonary function test, and Doppler echo. These are for the assessment of pulmonary involvement, given the fact that pulmonary involvement is the number one cause of death among these patients. You would expect a restrictive pattern in pulmonary function test or evidence of pulmonary arterial hypertension and even right ventricular hypertrophy, secondary to it in echo and chest x-ray. So when do we perform GI motility studies? Assessment of GI dysmotility such as esophageal hypomotility is performed only if patient presentation indicates so. For example, if patient has heartburn, we may perform esophageal manometry. Now, what could be the changes in manometry if esophagus is involved? in scleroderma. Please remember that fibrosis mainly affects lower esophagus therefore manometry will commonly show not only hypomobility but also incompetent lower esophageal sphincter. True or false in crest or limited scleroderma the involvement of lower esophageal sphincter is due to involvement of our backs or myenteric plexus. That's false, remember. The reason for lower esophageal sphincter dysfunction in crest is fibrosis of muscularis, contrary to achalasia in which myenteric or our backs plexus is dysfunctional. And please always remember these two conditions as the differential diagnosis of decreased or absent esophageal peristalsis in manometry. Okay. Now is the time to finally Compare and contrast limited scleroderma with diffuse scleroderma. Please remember both types belong to systemic sclerosis. Even limited scleroderma and crest are still considered systemic disorders. And the name limited versus diffuse only indicates the extent of skin fibrosis. Okay as we mentioned earlier on in limited scleroderma the skin involvement happens distal to elbows and knees while in diffuse type both distal and proximal extremities could be involved while in both types face and neck could be involved and in both types we may have pulmonary hypertension. In limited scleroderma the cause of pulmonary hypertension is pulmonary arterial vasculopathy while in diffuse scleroderma We have interstitial lung disease and lung fibrosis as the possible underlying cause. Remember, in the limited scleroderma, we do not have interstitial lung disease. The other clinical difference is that limited scleroderma is associated with more benign course and overall better prognosis. Another important clinical feature is limited scleroderma has long-standing Raynaud's phenomenon before other features emerge. In terms of serologic assessment, remember limited scleroderma has anti-centromere antibodies or anti-centromere pattern of ANA, while diffuse scleroderma has SCL70, also known as anti-topoisomerase 1. Okay, now let's discuss the management. Even though there is no cure for the diffuse type systemic sclerosis, we can still slow down the course of limited type as well as managing the organ complications. So when do we use corticosteroids in the course of systemic sclerosis? We use them for controlling the flare-ups or for inflammatory myositis and pericarditis. Again, remember, corticosteroids have no place for management of diffuse-type systemic sclerosis itself as they can't slow the progression of disease. Remember, we mentioned that we have a non-inflammatory vasculopathy as the core of pathogenesis. Now, what's the use of methotrexate? Methotrexate, however, could be used to slow down the course of limited scleroderma. So once more, for flares we use corticosteroids, for limited scleroderma we use methotrexate. Now, what do we use for Raynaud's phenomenon? We use calcium channel blockers such as nifedipine. What do we use for scleroderma renal crisis? We use short-acting ACE inhibitors such as captopril. So what conditions could be managed by captopril? Either the hypertension... Or any elevation in creatinine could be managed by ACE inhibitors. What's recommended for management of heartburn in patients with scleroderma? Antacids, H2 blockers, or the drug of choice that's protein pump inhibitors. Now, what drugs can help improve pulmonary function tests in patients with systemic sclerosis? Cyclophosphamide or mycophenolite are shown to be efficient for the treatment of interstitial lung disease and alveolitis and pulmonary function test. What drugs are used to manage pulmonary arterial hypertension? We have endothelin antagonists such as bosentan, ambrisentan. We have phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors such as sildenafil. We have prostacycline analogs such as iloprost, epoprostenol and treprostinil. And we have this new drug that is guanylate cyclase stimulator called riociguat these are the drugs used for the management of pulmonary arterial hypertension. What is the deal with d Remember d that was formerly used to alleviate skin thickening isn't considered a highly efficient drug anymore for that purpose and therefore is not routinely used anymore. Okay, I would like to finish this discussion with one of my high yield case scenarios. A patient with history of systemic sclerosis has come to emergency room with blood pressure of 200 over 125 and altered mental status. History indicates mild exertional dyspnea and chest x-ray three months ago also shows mild ground glass appearance. CVC shows low platelet but otherwise normal indices and urine analysis is also normal. What is the treatment for this patient? 1. Bozentin, B. Mycophenolate. C. Cyclophosphamate. D. Captopril. E. Sildenafil. F. Epoprostenol. G. Lisinopril. Okay, we have a patient in hypertensive emergency and altered mental status with thrombocytopenia in the setting of established a scleroderma diagnosis now the case is pushing you to think in terms of pulmonary hypertension as it shows some chest x-ray findings and exertional dyspnea however you have to remember systemic hypertension especially in the form of hypertensive emergency especially if accompanied by thrombocytopenia in the case scleroderma renal crisis and the management is ACE inhibitor in other words, the drugs for interstitial lung disease such as mycophenolate or cyclophosphamide or the drugs for pulmonary arterial hypertension such as bosentin, sildenafil and epoprostenol, are not useful at this very moment because the patient requires emergency management of his scleroderma renal crisis. Also, we do not have enough evidence that shows documented pulmonary arterial hypertension. Now, we are left with two ACE inhibitors, captopril and lisinopril. So, which one is the treatment of choice? Please remember that treatment of choice for scleroderma renal crisis or hypertensive emergency due to that is short-acting ACE inhibitors such as captopril, not a long-acting ACE inhibitor such as lisinopril. The answer is captopril. So, true or false, if a patient with scleroderma renal crisis has significantly elevated creatinine, ACE inhibitors are contraindicated. That is false and this is perhaps one of the very few exceptions in which we still administer ACE inhibitors even if patients creatinine is significantly elevated. A follow-up question may ask you what do you expect in this patient's peripheral blood smear. Remember the findings associated with microangiopathic hemolytic anemia such as fragmented RVCs and schistocytes. And with that we finish our discussion of systemic sclerosis. Thank you.